I'm just packing away some bike bits for our next upcoming AICC ride. Um, it's the CAGE annual ride. We all need to support CAGE here in the UK. So what we're doing with AICC and any other groups inside the UK is we're doing a national ride. We're doing a national fundraiser on the 6th of March. We're doing around about 40 miles in different cities. We've got London, we've got Blackburn, we've got Manchester, we've got Leicester, we've got Birmingham. If you want to sign up your city, let us know. But you can sign up for just £15 and we're fundraising £100 per rider. Only £100 per rider. And you can do that on the 6th of March with us. Be part of it. Spread the video. Spread the love and spread the fundraising. Assalamu alaikum. So we've just heard from Abdul Wahid about the Unity Ride on the 6th of March. It is to fundraise for an adv advocacy group called CAGE. And what CAGE does for the Muslim community is mind-boggling, in fact. Um, but I'm not the best person to speak to uh, about it. So that's why I've got Azad by on today. And let's get into it. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Gapped podcast. I have today with me Azad Bai from Cage. How are you doing, bro? Walaikum assalam. Alhamdulillah, I'm good, bro. Alhamdulillah. Uh, just some icebreaker questions then. Um, how long have you been riding, bro? Uh, two years. Alhamdulillah. And uh, what kind of riding you do? Mountain bike? Um, road? No, no, road bike yeah. or back in our days, racer bike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two years. And uh, what's your longest ride? Longest is um, the M25, 140 miles. Wow, in one day. In one day. Very yeah. uh, recently, you became the regional rep of Aliman Cycling Club. What is Aliman Cycling Club? Um, Aliman, originally Alejuan Cycling Club. Um, they're brothers who basically, I think around 10 years ago, started uh, cycling and ra raising money for charity. I don't know why they voted me into any <laughs> position, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Desperate, I suppose. But um, uh, alhamdulillah, the main objective is to basically uh, keep brothers fit um, and also uplift people spiritually, but also do some good work uh, for the various charity work that happens. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. So uh, what, what rides have you done with them so far? Um, so last year we did uh, Lancashire to London. Um, we did the NC500. Um, obviously, there's a cage ride. Um, we also... Um, the NC500 was for Palestine. And uh, the first year we also had uh, the Winter Challenge. So we did some charity rides then as well. Alhamdulillah. Uh, so we just had Abdul Wahid on. He spoke about... My boss. Yeah. <laughs> so he's the Amir of the whole whole yeah. club. And uh, so is the club national or is it just in the Yeah, so it? basically South London. Sorry, South London. South. Um, yeah. So basically London and up north, uh, okay. Blackburn, Burnley, that area. Uh, we're going to the cage ride very soon, but that that seems to be a national ride uh, with yeah, no, many alhamdulillah. locations. Yeah, alhamdulillah, this year we've uh, got six cities involved. Alhamdulillah, uh, so we're, good, we're yeah. going to that. So um, you touched on Aliman's aims and objectives. Uh, has it changed over the years and why the name change? Uh, the name change was, I think, uh, it just Alejuan, when they did it first, I think that during the Hajj ride, they also had some issues with the name. Uh, Ikhwan al-Muslimun and all of that kind of stuff. So Going just to Egypt kind of, and, yeah, yeah, Egypt and all that stuff. So just to kind of, uh, you know, just make it very objective name and bland, non-political, I suppose, yeah. So uh, we've got the cage ride coming up. It's called the Unity Ride. What's yeah. that about? Um, so the brothers, when they first started, 
doing this. This is the sixth year um, uh, when they first started to do it. The idea was to get the various cycling clubs to ride together. Um, so th the word unity comes from that, that, you know, there's a, a united kind of effort on a particular cause, if you like. Um, so, you know, we, we've got loads of cycling clubs now, Muslim cycling clubs. So that was the main reason, yeah. And what's the cause? Uh, the cause here is obviously to uh, support CAGE, um, the organization. Uh, CAGE is basically community funded, so dependent on uh, people's generosity. Um, so Aliman or Alekhwan, uh, they kind of choose two or three charities every year to fundraise for two or three causes. Uh, and CAGE is a, a kind of regular. Um, so the Unity Ride is always for CAGE, isn't it? It's always for CAGE, yeah. I, I did the Unity Ride... I've done it twice now, alhamdulillah, uh, last year with last yourself. Year, yeah. Um, and inshallah, I should be able to make this one. Um, alhamdulillah. With the unity. Give me another hand. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, put me in your group. In it. Yeah. <laughs> when I did it, uh, I don't know, five, six years ago, um, I just signed up because it seemed like the done thing, all, all the brothers were signing up. Um, I didn't really know what I was signing up to. Mm. Uh, of course, the ride itself is uh, well organized. It has uh separate groups for different abilities you go across london um but i didn't actually know what i was raising for i knew it was a noble cause mm. um but i did, i'd never heard of cage yeah, yeah. Uh, what is cage yeah that's um i mean there are a lot of people who probably aren't aware of cage uh which is not necessarily a bad thing um so cage basically come about uh around 2003 um, so if you recall when the war on terror started after 9-11, the invasion of Afghanistan, um, America basically kidnapped around 700 and 779 exactly uh, brothers from all over the world, um, a lot of them from Afghanistan, and took them to Cuba, Guantanamo Bay. Were there any from the UK? Uh, there, were, there were 10 from the UK. Um, and basically locked them there. And George Bush at that time, made the comment that these are the worst of the worst. Um, and basically, they, they disappeared. Um, and what we knew what was happening was basically innocent people were being picked up. And just for America's, to, just to satisfy its kind of avenging sentiments, it kidnapped, uh, renditioned uh, these brothers over there. So our job basically at that time was just to find out who has been taken there. So it was basically a website at that moment and we started listing the names of the uh, brothers that were being held there. Uh, we got to about 400 names and everything else and then um, I think it was the New York Post um, from America actually took our data and published it and then the world found out actually these are the humans uh, that are being kept there and they're being tortured. Um, so basically America, the reason it opened it there is so it kind of uh, can operate outside the law, um, outside the UN uh, uh, kind of international law or the Geneva Convention and all of that kind of stuff. And it's outside of US law as well. Outside of the US law as well. So that, that was our kind of uh, starting point that to highlight the impact of the war on terror um, and actually what's happening. And so over the last nearly 20 years now, um, we've kind of obviously developed the work. Um, I kind of work in three main areas. One is to kind of help individuals that are directly being impacted. So, for example, there were some Sri Lankan brothers that um, Qatar went to Qatar and Qatar basically kidnapped them and they disappeared for about five months. Uh, a family member did contact us and then we did a big media campaign and everything else. 
so Dr. Talib. Uh, yes, is I think name? I that Yeah, one, yeah. So, and then because we did all of the campaign and everything else, then they released him. Basically, they just kidnapped him on intelligence from Australia, basically. Um, and so, you know, individuals that are being held, uh, I mean, that's that's a, a, a extreme uh, scenario, but it could be simple things like, you know, your house has been raided um, or, you know, you've been arrested and you're being charged uh, under terrorism laws or something like that or prevent or schedule. Sentence. So you're not just focusing on Guantanamo. Bay no. So now it's like, yeah, so we in the UK uh, and also international. So helping uh, clients, uh, I mean, we term uh, all, all the people we help brothers and sisters survivors um, because they survived a, a oppression and, and you know they came out stronger from it and the second area of our work is to actually challenge a lot of the narrative and discussions about Islam and Muslims um, and, and you know you, you, you yourself will know how Muslims are portrayed um, whether it's in the media or by the government or in policy or via laws or discrimination at workplace and other places is, is huge. And for the last 30 years, it's actually progressively got worse to the point it's properly instituted now. So our kind of focus is tackling those laws, those legislations that aren't Islamophobic um, and exposing them. Uh, so, for example, you know, what one of our uh, kind of big uh, uh, campaign was against uh, um, Section 44, against uh, Stop and Search, against Prevent, against Schedule 7, all of these things before people actually even heard about it. And one that everyone's talking about in the last two months is the Nationality and Borders Bill, right? Citizenship deprivation. So explain what that bill is before going on. So citizenship, or Nationality and Borders Bill is the government has kind of uh, tabled a bill in Parliament where they're looking to allow themselves to take away a citizen's citizenship without actually even telling them um, and without actually going through any due process. So it's an executive decision the Home Secretary will make based on secret evidence. So what would that look like if they did it to me today? If they did it to you today is, for example, you could be abroad um, okay. and they've taken your citizenship and you wouldn't know about it. You try to come into the country and then you'd be denied access because you're no longer a citizen. And then I wouldn't be able to go to the embassy and no, they wouldn't help get it. any help from any UK uh, thing. So then you're kind of left to uh, fight, but uh, for your appeal and everything else, find a lawyer. But it depends where you are in, in which part of the country you are, uh, or the world you're, you're in, do you get it? So it's, it's, it'll be different for different people. So this law, which a lot of people don't know, actually was first uh, brought about by a Labour government, David Blunkett, in fact, for a, a person called Abu Hamza. Um, okay. Some people, some of the listeners here might know who he is. Um, he was you know, uh, demonised and everything else uh, by the media to the point where the Labour government basically used him to revoke his citizenship. They tried to deport him, um, but obviously you can't make someone stateless. So he, he didn't actually have Egyptian nationality. Egypt said that he's not our national, so they couldn't get rid of him. So just to do that, they introduced this clause. Um, and it's actually known as the Hamza Clause um, in, in, in law. So since then, so that's 2003, it's been happening. Since then, uh, a lot of uh, people have had their citizenship revoked. And this is these are cases that we're also fighting. Alhamdulillah. We've won about five cases where people's citizenship had, had been revoked and we successfully appealed. Um, we re recently mentioned a few of them, and we can't say their names, yeah. but a few of them are back in the country. So this nationality bill, which is coming about, it's not yet in it's process. Not, it's not in What's the difference between that and what they introduced back in 2010? So 
basically, it, when it was, say, in 2003, the reasons were a lot more kind of serious, if you like, um, and they weren't vague. Whereas now, progressively over the last 20 years, what's happened is the t terms, the terminology used to take your citizenship away is broadened. So it's kind of like, you know, not conducive to public good. Now, what does that mean? Absolutely. Um, so it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. It could be, you know, just that, you, you, I don't know, you smashed a bottle uh, outside or you smashed someone's window because that's not conducive to public good. Yeah. Um, or you, you were in a fight or something. Uh, that's not good to feel. So it's not, it's not serious. Whereas before it was for things like, you know, uh, you, you kind of spied on the country or, you know, treason. It, it was very high and high impactive uh, acts of uh, crime, if you like. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the main thing that's happened over the years. So it's important for us to actually understand what's going on and challenge uh, that, that kind of language that is used against Muslims. And really that brings to the third part of our work, which is to help empower Muslims. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen it yourself, but over the last... I've, I've, you know, I'm that old. Over the last 30 years, I've seen how Muslims have progressively gotten uh, disempowered through various things, not because they want it to be, but it's because if I say something, I might lose my job or I might yeah. get called a label or, you know, people point fingers at me, et cetera, et cetera. So the environment was created in such a way that for you to just be Muslims, uh, you know, just practice your religion became very, very hard. And, you, you know, you, you might have heard stories about where, you know, it was normal for you to get on a plane and read, uh, you know, the dua for suffer, right? It's, it's just normal. And maybe you would say a little bit loud, but people were scared because people get taken off planes for doing that. Yeah. Right. Um, so it, it's, you get lots of different things. So our role is to kind of here is explain that, you know, you still can be Muslims, you still can be empowered and you still can do all of these things. There's a way to do it. And. One of the things that we try to bring about is for people to understand how to approach the problems they're having. So, for example, this uh, as Muslims, what, what, what is expected of us? So you, you're my Muslim brother. I have some rights upon you yep. and you have some rights upon me. Absolutely. So if I was in, 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 in danger, in problems and everything else, your duty is to reach out to me and help. But what the environment and the kind of state-led Islamophobia has done is made you now not help me. Is actually made the opposite where you distance yourself from me. So what happened is like, say, for even people like Abu Hamza or whoever, so someone, a Muslim gets arrested, a Muslim name comes in the media, and immediately Muslims are condemning or Muslims are, are distancing. And that's the most disempowering thing that can happen. So imagine, you know, you're, you're just an innocent, and you, we see what happens with the media, how many times they get it wrong. You haven't actually done anything wrong, but because the media smeared you or spun a story in a certain way, I've distanced myself from you. And then you're feeling, you're going to feel disempowered. You're going to think, oh my God, you know, this is the Muslim community. And this has had a very fundamental impact uh, on all of us. And so, you know, just the number one thing is if you see another brother, uh, another Muslim, it doesn't have to be a brother. If you see another Muslim being attacked or vilified and everything else, don't distance yourself from them. Offer, I mean, you might not know them, but at least don't distance yourself from them. And if you can, offer support for them. Just say that you're there. Let the due process take place. And, and that is essence of what CAGE is calling for. Like, you know, we want there to be due process. Because, and this is something that this country is actually founded on, right? That as a citizen, 
you have the right to be trialed and you have the right to face your accuser, you have the right to defend yourself, and you have the right to be judged by a jury of your peers, right? These are basic tenets for Magna Carta, yeah. you know, for years. These are basic things, but Islamically, these are things that also are enshrined in our uh, religion, if you like. So due process and all of that kind of stuff can't happen if we already uh, suspect people, if we already have opinions of them. So now, you know, it got, it's got to the stage where Quite genuinely, I, I, I mean, I've heard many barristers and lawyers say that for a Muslim person to get a fair trial, it is a little bit hit and miss because of the so much negativity. Because there's assumptions. Oh, you got a longer beard. Okay, are you a Islamist? Are you a fundamentalist? Is that across the board or is that for... <coughs> Uh, I'm I'm doing air quotes here. Terrorism related uh, activity. Uh, yeah, it'd probably be mainly terrorism related. Um, and and see, even that word terrorism. So you know, if you if your listeners just when they heard that word, yeah. who did they think of? Muslims. Yeah, they, they immediately it conjures up. So like one of the things we as an organisation uh, we don't do, and we encourage others to do, is not to use that word. Okay, you can talk about violence, political violence reframe the conversation so that you know you have a chance of getting your message across um, but yeah i mean but it's not just that to be honest in other things like we see it now in workplaces discrimination you know hijab becoming a, you know it was never like you maybe not uh, old enough but you know 40 years ago no one would have even talked about this stuff 30 years ago no one would have talked about this stuff but now it's big and it didn't happen by accident. And this is so one of the things we try to do at CAGE is research and publish report. Like, where is all of this coming from? Because there was a, wor a world before 9-11. Absolutely. Um, and if you look at the framing of uh, um, America or Britain and, and, and the right wing neocons, they would like you to believe that the world started there. Why did these Muslims attack us? We did nothing to them, mm. which isn't true, because there is a lot of history before that as well. Yeah. So this... Understanding how these things, how, you know, people are misinformed, how people are manipulated, whether it's by politicians or media, is, is very important if you want to push back uh, what's happening. So are there other organizations you work with or is it CAGE seems to be um, at the forefront? But Yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, there isn't any organization that does what we do. Okay. Um, there, there are no other Muslim organizations uh, what we do and that's something we we actually notice uh, internationally as well so at the moment um there's a, a lot of requests from from india for us to open something similar oh, yes. to there yeah, yeah. um you know the, on the uyghur uh, situation or what's happening in europe so there are other organizations that do lobbying and campaigning but not the way we approach it we are, our, our approach is fundamentally to do two things one is to actually challenge uh, whatever is happening head on with full understanding but the basis of that challenge is your deen is your islam and and that's the primary thing and 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 there are some values that we we would always uphold like principles like you know we, we're not looking to sit with an mp or a politician you know we don't care if you like us or not we're just going to tell you the truth yeah. and that is the greater jihad isn't it speaking truth uh, uh, in front of a tyrant so for us um you know, we, we're, we're kind of the only organization, uh, which isn't a, an issue in itself. Um, but we do work with others um, where there is a need. Uh, so at the moment, with on the Nationality and Borders Bill, there's, there's about 
seven or eight different organizations. Uh, actually, it's expanded to about 15 that we do. And in the last uh, four or five months, we, we actually did a... So um, last year was the 20th anniversary of the war on terror, if you like. And so we did an international witness campaign um, over 16 countries, about 50 different partners worldwide, um, to highlight the impact of the war on terror that has been, whether it's to children, whether it's in education, whether it's employment, whether it's like, you know, just everyday life. One of the uh, sad thing is like, you know, if you look at universities, um, I think in the last two, three years it's changing. But prior to that, universities, struggle to talk about anything to do with Muslims. Like, like, so the Palestinian uh, societies were <clears throat> basically hounded um, by Zionists uh, and, and neocons to the point where they basically did nothing anymore. Um, so this ability to talk about what oppression is taking place was slowly being eroded. Um, so, but alhamdulillah, you know, Allah will always give uh, tawfiq uh, to those that stay close to him. Yeah, uh, and, and this is the main thing, you know, look, uh, at the end of the day, our only agenda is to achieve akhirah um, yeah. and the pleasure of Allah. And, and if we actually truly believe that, then we would not take any shortcuts to overcome any uh, oppressions or hurdles that we face because the means are the most important thing, not the end. So the saying is the end justifies the means. In Islam, it never does. Yeah. It's never about the end. Yeah. So I think, you know, whilst we're on our own, um, there are lots of organizations that are doing things um, and we can work together and we should where we can. So it sounds like CAGE has many projects, mashallah, doing a yeah, lot. How, how many in the, in the team? Um, alhamdulillah, we've, we've grown. Um, so there's 16 of us now. Oh, wow. Um, and, really uh, yeah, so we're growing. Um, and it's, it's just not UK uh, outside of the UK as well. Oh, you've you've expanded now. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're uh, we're doing now more uh, focused. Like, so we've always done international work. Yeah. But the elements it was more helping individuals, if you like. But now we're systematically actually now researching and producing reports as well as activities in in different regions. So France, Austria has been our initial focus. Um, Why Austria? So uh, France is well known. Yeah, fr France, Austria, Austria. Oh my God! Uh, you know, there's a report we published called uh, Operation Lux Luxor that took place a couple of years back. Um, basically, just you know, you the Trojan horse uh, was based on a, a, a lie, a, a yeah. letter that was made yeah, up. Yeah. Well, op Operation Luxor was basically politicians making things up to the point where they basically raided hundreds of Muslim families. In Austria? In Austria. Okay. You know, it was the biggest police raid since World War II. Wow. Uh, it, it was just unbelievable scale. Um, raided people's house at the middle of the night, you know, scared children, arrested children, you know, arrested people, you know, hundreds and hundreds of uh, Muslims. When were was this? This was a uh, tail end of um, 20. 2020. Wow, yeah. very recent. Yeah, it's very recent. Yeah, okay. so so we published a report uh, earlier this year. What month were we in February? It's actually last year. Yeah, we published it, and uh, just to document every single thing that's happened. But we, alhamdulillah, we've been on it, supporting the Austrian uh, brothers and sisters. And this is the thing, you know, you you need that support. So, someone needs to come and support you uh, to to help you. And since we've done, we've been pushing, pushing, and a lot of legal cases to the point where now 
the Austrian court, I think it was like the, their high court or Supreme Court equivalent, has said that it was an illegal operation. Oh, incredible. Um, so it is, it's, it's not a full redress, but it's going in the right direction. Uh, France, uh, yeah, obviously you, you know what's happening in France. Um, major Muslim organization, the biggest charity there got shut down. The organization that was dealing with Islamophobia, helping people got shut down. So, you know, we just, uh, we are going to publish a report on France and we've, we've been exposing what's happening just so that two things. One is that the French state doesn't think it can get away with it. But second, the Muslim brothers and sisters in France know that there's someone, there's an organization still that cares that will, no matter what is thrown at it, will be there and and that's us really we we're there to take 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 the hits so um, in essence without cage what would the state of uh, the muslims just in the uk be well what do you imagine yeah i, I i'd like to think there will be other brothers uh, that and sisters that would they would but you've up. got that expertise but imagine that expertise yeah. wasn't like yeah. of course like I, i'd like to stand up one day yeah. and be like right i want to fight for justice but yeah. i haven't got the foggiest on yeah. what to do or what yeah, to say yeah, yeah. who to contact yeah. you know what i mean so yeah no no look i mean there are some upskilling that's needed and, and succession planning is the big thing so my kind of um, so I, I kind of run the operations at cage um so one of my biggest kind of focus is to actually work myself out of a job, uh, get other people in to be able to do what we can do. You know, we need to rejuvenate. But I don't want people here listening thinking it's a very hard thing. It's not. Okay. It is a very simple thing. And that most, the first thing is that it, we have to hold on to Islam. That has to be our guidance. And here, I'm, not, I'm talking about Islam as a holistic thing and not your school of thought or their school of thought. I'm not talking about Salah. So you know like unity, that we talked about unity. I don't really promote unity in, in the sense because people have a wrong understanding of unity. They think it's just one leader, one person, and everyone's hunky-dory. It's never like that. Even at the time of the Rasul Sallallahu so, you, you saw there was disagreements and everything else. It's not that. It's You're united on a cause, on a, on a pathway, on a journey. Uh, and that's the way we should look at it. Um, so the first thing is like as long as you hold on to your Islam and you put that as your basis of action that will give you good foundation. The second thing is we've got to, we've just got to understand. So you said you haven't got the foggiest yet. You don't, but it's not that you can't learn it. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's just knowing. So it's like a simple course that we do is about framing and language and framing and messaging. It's just like knowing, it's like something that any secular, uh, if you go to media start, studies and everything else, they, they'll teach you these things. Because we, unfortunately, have taken the language of those that are oppressing us to fight that oppression. Yeah. And if you think about it, that means you're in a vicious circle and you're never going to come out of it. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. So you've got to step out of that uh, and, and use your own language, tell your own story, um, and, and, and word it the way that you are the empowered one um, and that the, the tyrant is clearly uh, exposed. The other things, mashallah, you know, Junaid, I've seen so many uh, brothers and sisters across the country. I've traveled this country a lot, uh, honestly. The talent in our community is second to none. Yeah. It's the youngest community, like if you look at uh, uh, non-Muslims and Muslims, or if you break it down to any other religion, Muslim youth are the highest. 40% of our population is under 25. Wow. So the talent pool is huge yeah they're just not getting the opportunity yeah and that's what we have to do so i think the way we have to look at this is that 
you know, mashallah, cage is there, we should support it, but all of us have a role to play. And you don't have to be in the organization, you'll do it in your own area. Yeah. You yeah. just, if you stay principled in, in the area that you're in, that's, that's going to boost it. Um, and, and pretty soon people will be able to join the dots and, and see that, okay, you know what, this ain't going to wash with Muslims, this ain't going to be acceptable. Right. So how does an organization like CAGE help, say, uh, the average Muslim uh, fella or woman who has, you know, they, they do their own Islam in the home, they probably go to work, they pray like quietly in the office, like yeah. their Islam perhaps isn't, uh, it's not full blown, they don't have a beard, for example. Yeah, yeah. How do you help? Like, yeah, yeah, no, that's, what, you know, why should they support CAGE, yeah, yeah, for it's, example? It's very, you know, a lot of our clients aren't, you, who you might think they are okay um and we actually also have non-muslim clients as well because um, remember it's going back to that due process thing okay like but i'll give you an example um a, a couple of examples so one uh schedule seven case that took place where a sister uh, she was traveling back uh, to the country the police and the borders uh, agency took her in for questioning and everything else and they made her take off her hijab um, and, and they gave her the reason that, you know, we need to, for identification purposes, we need to take pictures of your ears, etc. etc. When we heard this, we were shocked. I mean, she got in touch with us. We got some lawyers involved in everything else. Alhamdulillah, sued the police, won the case, right? They've changed it. The, because on your passport, you can wear your hijab. Yes. Like, you know, why yeah. would you do that? So that sister, she, she never heard of us before. It's just someone else said that they can help you. Um, but there's also a brother who... Uh, you know, he's his, his finding his dean uh, and everything else. Got stopped at Schedule 7. Um, didn't know uh, how to handle it. Um, so he contacted us. Uh, you know, from, from actually when he was there, he said, oh, can, I, can you call, contact Cage for us? Yeah. As soon as the uh, officer actually heard, they said, oh, how do you know Cage? Because I don't know them. But I heard uh, someone say that they do Schedule 7 things. So maybe they'll get me a lawyer. So this was basically the gist of the conversation along that line. Yeah. And, you know, you can see the board agency, the guys were like, oh, okay, you know. So they started, you know, he's telling us they started behaving in a different way. So it's, it's, you know, it's very simple things that we can do, but it's not, we don't, you know, it's not that we don't appeal to everyone else. We do. But what we can't do is handle all of the cases uh, at the same team. time. Yeah, yeah, it's a very small team. So what we try to do is put as much, so we do your know your rights thing. So we try to put as much knowledge out so that if you're traveling next time, you can go on our website, under Schedule 7, we've got about 10 points that covers the basics, like what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. What's the point of the uh, search? So if they're sitting there asking you questions about, you know, which mosque you go to and, you know, who's the imam and all of that, you can say to them, um, as I understand it, now they give you a piece of paper before they didn't. As, okay. as I understand, you're stopping me to find out if I'm involved in terrorism. How does that question help you? Uh, you know, can you do that? And, you know, you can do a little bit of pushback as well. Um, but <clears throat> that empowerment uh, helps. Or like Prevent, for example. You know, when Prevent first came out, people, they didn't understand it. They didn't know what was it. Yeah, it makes sense. Should we stop people doing bad things? Yeah. All right. It's it's very logical, and the way the government framed it, it was very hard to argue against it. But we, I mean, we knew it was uh, what what it was for. But it was so when we reframed that conversation, we showed that how actually no, it takes away your freedom, it takes away your rights, it actually conditions you and requires you to behave in a certain way. But it doesn't do that for anyone else. 
Um, and, and so now a lot of people started talking about prevent, it's toxic, and now prevent, no one touches it. Okay, any Muslim that touches it, you know, is, is, is kind of seen in a very, you know, oh, well, you're doing something wrong there. Yeah. But it took, what, 10 years, 15 years to do that? Yeah, so uh, we touched on what you guys do for the Muslims, and I guess you're fighting bills which affect every single citizen yeah. in the UK, not just Muslims, yeah. while it might be targeted at them. How do you, or give some examples where you're helping non-Muslims as well? Or yeah, perhaps, I mean... The thing is, like, um, so if you if you look at um, the whole uh, Julian Assange thing, what's happening with him, WikiLeaks, whistleblowing, privacy, um, a lot of our work is to do with things that enable actually the everyday person to go about their business. So what, one of the things that they're they're trying to do with prevent to justify prevent the government would say, oh, we're now tackling far right. Uh, people as well, meaning white working class uh, people. So, like, if it was oppressive on me, why is it going to be okay on on a white person? It's not. It's still oppressive. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of learning that uh, that white community has taken from us about all of these issues, and that's why you have now like liberties and others. You know, they're they're all kind of on board about how damaging this is. But <clears throat> going back to nationality and borders bill, it's not going to affect. Uh, um, non-ethnic people as much as ethnic people because if you're uh, white you're more than likely got ancestral background here anyway okay but it will affect those that are from europe for example eastern europe or from other parts of the world where they're still caucasian so it is in their interest to also have laws and legislations that are uh, you know kind of uh, okay and, and and balanced or you can look at the extradition treaty so when we did the campaign for Barbara Ahmed Tala Hassan and all of that kind of stuff it seemed like a very Muslim thing yeah but actually Gary McKinnick and others there were others that actually suffered through that as well yeah um, so you know that extradition treaty yeah it had a, 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 a focus a, a effect on the Muslims but it's something that affects everyone so every law that comes in will affect us initially if you look at from 2001 onwards every single legislation that's come in has a skewed effect on muslims primarily but then that trickle down effect goes onto the mainstream and a lot of them are understanding this now a lot before because a lot of people bought into this whole 9 11 happened the war on terror you know we need to stop this uh, you know uh, you need to help us you need to condemn this you need to do that and people just kind of got sucked into it inadvertently, perhaps, or deliberately. Um, but now they're actually sitting back and looking, okay, you know what, that's, that's not right. It's not, this is not true. What you're doing isn't true. I mean, if you actually, it's so obvious, but no, who's, there's, Tony Blair did a speech when he was prime minister that, uh, at that time. He said the rules of the, games, uh, rules, the rules of the game has changed. What did he mean by that? That we're not going to follow law. We're not going to follow due process. We're going to go outside of it. Now, if I was to say that, you know, you have a prime minister from a, I don't know, Far East country who said that I'm not going to follow the law, I'm going to work outside the law, you wouldn't. You'd say, yeah, typical, isn't it? Or you expect that. Yeah. But here, the West, you know, the, uh, the civilized countries, you know, the people who actually follow law and order is saying the same thing, but no one batted an eyelid. Yeah. Because that, 
that environment was created for you to accept well, just look operating at, outside the Just world. look at Guantanamo Bay. They, yeah. they did it in such a way that they took it out of US yeah. itself because it wouldn't go down well in the US itself. So yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Um, so just to touch on that, have they tried to close you down? Uh, yeah. When I say they, I mean the government the or state. governments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, alhamdulillah, you know, Muazzam, uh, uh, our outreach director, mashallah, is, is one of a few cases against the Times and everything else where they've uh, smeared him. And we've won cases as well against people. Um, but there is um, a, a good book um, I would suggest to all the listeners. Um, Asim Qureshi, our, our research director, wrote it. Uh, and it's basically from the experience of Cage that he's had, uh, called a, a virtual dis- disobedience. Um, and and the, the, or actually look up Google what happened to the Black Panthers. There's um, there's like a a policy that uh, at that time the FBI and others uh, used in America, which was basically to disrupt the activity of the Black Panthers and the civil rights movement. And that's the similar thing that's happening with us. We regularly get smeared. We regularly kind of get called terrorist sympathizers. Our bank accounts are closed. We can't open a bank account. Um, so we're kind of create like you know portrayed as this really bad bogeyman. You know, and you need to stay away. And unfortunately, some Muslims have kind of fallen for that, and they they accept that. Uh, and and they're like, oh, if I support Cage, am I going to get into trouble? But, yeah, so know, am to, I getting on some watch list now? No, you're not. Am I going to be watched? No, like? no. And 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 this is this is the thing that we gotta, you know, we we gotta rationalize these kind of fears that we have. Um, if can you just imagine what resources would be needed just to monitor, say, you know, a million Muslims or half a million Muslims? They don't have that resources. Nobody has that resources. Yeah. You can't do it. So it's, that's not a realistic thing. Um, second of all. If you do abandon support for Cage, what you do is you reinforce what the narrative that they're pushing, that this is an unacceptable type of organization. This is an unacceptable Muslim. And then one day you're the one that's going to be, because that's how it works, right? Yeah. So, if so you, if today you, is the hijab, tomorrow is the turban, yeah. the day after is the kepa, maybe. Exactly, yeah. So, so it's, this, is, this is a well-known, it's, it's just logical. So it's, we, we have a lot of pushback from the government um, you know, we, other than actually trying to actually you know, kill us, um, they pretty much tried everything. But alhamdulillah, by the uh, grace of Allah uh, and, and the support from the community, we're, we're, we're not only carrying on, we've actually grown. We've yeah. doubled, tripled, actually we've tripled in size. Um, and, and it's going strong. Um, so I think, you know, uh, what the nature of our job requires there to be some resistance from, you know, if there wasn't, then we're not doing a good job. Yeah. You know, if, if, if I'm saying, Junaid, you've done something wrong and you're like, oh, all right, thanks, bro, you know, have a piece of cake, yeah. then maybe I didn't tell you properly. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, there needs to be some reaction from there. Right. So uh, you mentioned they closed down your bank accounts just to finish up then. Like, how do you, or why is this ride important then, the Unity Cage ride? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> we don't have the traditional banking facilities. Um, so we don't have a high street bank. That's that's what I mean by that. But we do still have online banking uh, in, in terms of platforms, so like PayPal or, or other ways. And, you know, it, it is important because a lot of organizations, they or a lot of Muslims, they give standing orders 
uh, or direct debits. Um, and that's something we can't capitalize on at the moment. So yeah. we have to do uh, fundraising every, uh, inter I mean, Ramadan is coming up. That's the main time we do our fundraising, but every other time also it helps. But also um, if more people find out the work we do, um, you know, then then they can judge for themselves. Is it actually is there a benefit what these guys are doing for the Muslim community? And then, inshallah, there will be a little bit more donation. So part of it, I think, for the ride, um, for me, the money is is not as important as the exposure because I think it's important that uh, Muslims know the work that's happening um, and know that you know there is an organization out there that will basically be their shield for them no matter what comes up. So the ride, uh, touching on that, so we've got uh, the London ride. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have? London. Um, Six cities you mentioned. Leicester, Birmingham, Manchester, Blackburn and Bristol. Wow, incredible. Yeah. And do you uh, expect it to grow next year? Or? Yeah, no, so hopefully, I mean, we're trying to get more brothers to uh, and different clubs to kind of take the initiative. But it's like, you know... Uh, I mean, cycling bit is my, my is very part time for me. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and I don't really know the world. So, brothers like yourselves and, yeah, uh, yeah. and Bob and others, uh, you know, all the help they can give. Absolutely. We so really much appreciate. With the ride, it's forty miles. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's usually about forty miles. And yeah. if you haven't ridden before, is that yeah, is no, doable? It's, yeah, it's doable. I okay. mean, we don't really put any. Uh, hills yeah there. when's when's the rain uh 6th of march and too late to sign up or no no the deadline to uh, sign up is the 28th uh, so uh, it gives uh, people a week to fundraise how much is it to sign up uh 15 pound and uh, you get a fat munch with that you get it? a fat munch and you get a medal and everything else and and we give them top fundraiser prizes as well so. and there's incredible brotherhood yeah in the ride so i managed to do it last year i was with you as a yeah, yeah. and uh, that still remains alhamdulillah like one of my favorite rides from last year just uh, you know just the organization the fact that you're meeting new brothers so obviously it's a unity ride so you get people from other clubs joining you and uh, of course i'd never ridden with you i yeah, got to hear yeah. firsthand what cage was about had from the managing director um and just the fat operations director. operations director yeah. sorry uh and yeah it was just a fat munch at the end meeting new brothers and the fact that you're effectively writing for a great cause yeah. which protects and helps all of us is uh mental so just to touch on the fundraising uh target what, it's what's that? Pounds. just 100 just pounds, yeah. okay so it's not huge targets so. yeah yeah and uh, how much of cages fund comes from that ride you know or we, are you able to disclose uh it depends how much we write yeah. we, we, we ride uh, raise rather but um it's, it's it's an important so if you if you just think about a particular project so there's a another campaign that we're developing um to do with uh, some brothers uh, that were sentenced and uh, convicted for terrorism in birmingham they were known as the three musketeers but the case um I mean, their lawyers, the barristers and everything else, they also came to us. The case, if, if you read the details of the case, you'd be shocked. You know, there was collusion. Uh, the police officers colluded uh, with themselves, even after the judge told them not to do it. Uh, one of the police officers that was given evidence was having an affair with one of the jurors. Yeah. Uh, evidence was planted. Uh, and, and it's pretty okay. obvious it was planted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you just think, how, how did this conviction happen? Yeah. Um, so this is a campaign, you know, we, we need to expose all of these things in a, in a way that's receptive to the brothers and sisters uh, uh, and the wider community. So we're trying to put a documentary 
uh, together. So that kind of costs money. Absolutely. Uh, and so that that's what the money does. There's just two. I mean, obviously we we, we do pay uh, staff their salaries, but uh, most of the money basically goes on producing the work. Uh, to help uh, in the different campaigns. So this is, you know, those uh, old enough that would know during the Irish time, you know, the Birmingham Six, uh, the Guildford Four, you know, the miscarriages of justice that took place. It took 30 years to clear people's name. Uh, these brothers have been in prison, I think, coming up to this the sixth year, I think. So we don't want them to wait 30 years before they yeah. get uh, justice. You know, it's just shocking. If you read the cases, it's just shocking how they actually got convicted. Uh, is it more shocking than the Trojan horse? <laughs> is it, yeah, see, that people look back to it. So, but if you, I mean, I remember at that time, I was talking to many people, many, and this is the thing, what I meant about, um, you know, this support for each other. At that time, I, I actually organized uh, the, a conference uh, about it in Birmingham. Um, this was wearing a different hat at that time. I was uh, with MEND. And a Muslim institution where we booked, basically uh, uh, cancelled our booking on the day oh, wow. of, of our conference because, you know, the media were saying, oh, you're, you're, you're you know, the Trojan horse, this, that and the other, you know. There's that fear, isn't there? It's the fear. Yeah. Um, and so, alhamdulillah, we found somewhere else. But, you know, look at, that was what, 2014 or 15, I can't remember exactly. But it's taken, what, eight years, right? Now, that same organization is now saying, oh, this was bad. I did this happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's eight years of damage. Now, imagine now how you're going to undo all of that eight years of damage. Because you've signed up. You've, you've condemned things. You've agreed to things. How are you going to now retract? Because we, we, we're actually very bad at uh, saying we've done something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I put my hand up and yes. say, no, I was wrong. Absolutely. We're really bad at that. So, you know... I implore brothers and sisters that are listening to this, you know, whenever anything happens, don't, whatever you do, don't throw your brothers and sisters under the bus. Don't distance yourselves from them. If you don't know what's going on, don't don't make a call on it yeah. and try to find out. Because that initial support, imagine if those groups had come together quicker yeah. in Birmingham, they yeah. could have fought this thing off easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But they divided us. Um, so this is a, a, a very good lesson. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Um, so if you can't support uh, either via this ride or financially, um, you, you just can't. Yeah. You, how, you how, can, how else? Yeah, you can uh, donate online uh, on okay. our website. Um, you can come to our office, drop off uh, cash if you want. You know, okay. there, uh, there are other means as well. So whichever way. We okay. even take crypto. Ah, <laughs> Bitcoin. Bitcoin, yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give you one if I had one, but <laughs> I'm not fortunate enough. Azad Bray, uh, just to finish off, we actually put a poll on the Instagram page. Um, some of our listeners had some questions for you. Uh, one of them is quite personal. Uh, they call you the sergeant. Uh, why is that? The general. Oh, the general, sorry. sorry. The general. That, um, that's actually a funny story. As a, as a ride we were doing in, in Epping Forest, uh, going up Mott Street, um, and uh, so we, there was a brother there of the summit. I'm going to mention you. Um, so he was, you know, climbing, and I was just encouraging him. You can do it, left, right, left, right. So that's what I was saying. Oh yeah. And yeah, he yeah. just said, "All right, general." And then everyone basically uh, started to. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Uh, Sadek asked, uh, "Why are you so fast?" <laughs> fast. Sadek Udin. Yeah, yeah, fast. Yeah. You mean fast on my coffee? <laughs> <laughs> and fast on the bike. <laughs> 
Yeah, and uh, I think there was a, uh, she didn't have her name posted, but um, a sister asked, can women join? Uh, the ride itself, um, we, you know, I've been trying to get sisters to organize as well. Um, so there was a sister, she's actually moved to Wales now that I did reach out last time. I think she was part of Cycle Sisters. Is that the one with Walthamstow? Uh, her name, Aisha Davies. Uh, Aisha Davis, that's it. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's now um, in most. So she did put me in touch with sister, but uh, that sister, but I lost contact. Um, but yeah, look, uh, we want sisters to also participate. So if there are sisters out there that can organise, um, you know, we, we love that. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Azad Bay, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on, sharing uh, the great work that you and your organisation does. So thank you for that on behalf of the community. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam.